Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board-certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. So Catherine, you have shared with us before that you are from a pretty small rural town in Pennsylvania. How does that impact you with running into clients? We've kind of talked about it before, but I feel like it's been a while. Oh gosh. And since the last time we talked about it, which was almost a year ago, I have had so many more interactions with clients in public. Um, and we we're probably going to have to have a whole episode on it. But the most recent one is I actually ran into one of my active clients who I saw, I think, the day before uh, at a local winery. And <laughs> I'll have to, we'll have to do a whole episode on it because the context behind it is quite unusual because I happen to be working at said winery, um, just doing some, actually, I was doing podcast stuff, just sitting down and doing some wine and in walks uh, my my client. So yeah, it was it was it was an interesting interaction. I didn't necessarily know how to handle it because I felt like I had to explain myself. But I could talk more about that later because Heather today is going to talk about an, another run in with a client in public. I know, and this one we're going to share it here, so you know what to expect. Was at Hamilton, which we know a couple years ago it was so hard to get tickets for it. I mean, the odds of that are just. Everyone Seems wanted to high. go, and it's not like you could reschedule or change the seats. So mm-hmm. we're going to hear about how Heather handled it, how she ended up enjoying the show, and what happened after she ran into her client at Hamilton. This is just a friendly reminder, as always, that this episode is not a substitute for therapy itself, clinical consultation, or ethical guidance. All right. Well, this is episode number 48 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Well, Heather, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you too. And before we get into your bad therapist story, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice? Yeah, so I'm an LPCC in Columbus, Ohio. I recently started my own private practice. So that's been my journey this year. And I mainly work with adolescents and young adults um, dealing with eating disorders. But my experience right out of grad school was working in a large group private practice with a whole aimed range of clients. 
Well, well, congratulations on starting your private practice. That's always so exciting. We'll have you plug it later at the end so we can learn about it. Um, but why don't you tell us what is the story you're going to share that made you question if you were a bad therapist? Yeah. So like I said, my first job out of grad school working um, with all different kinds of clients, all different diagnoses, age range, um, just getting started finding my my feet in my way in the world of therapy and dating someone new who's now my husband, but at the time a boyfriend. And we were really excited to go see Hamilton. And it was in town. It was a big deal. And we, you know, get our drinks at the bar. We sit down at our seat and who is sitting next to me, but one of my newer preteen clients and her mother. Oh my gosh. Like literally sharing your armrest. Not one seat in between us, right to my left, and not even like my boyfriend went in first, so there was that gap. No, me and and the oh. client sitting next to each other. Oh my well, gosh! And this sounds like a couple of years ago when Hamilton. I mean, it's still huge, but it was really yeah, big. Really, usually hard. it's in a pretty big theater, so mm-hmm. it's not only difficult to get tickets, but there's a lot of seats and possibilities, and still somehow you end up right next to a client. <laughs> exactly like what are the odds on the same night on the same weekend right I think it was here for multiple weekends same row I was like I can't believe this is real and I thought I will tell this story and here I am telling this story (laughs) one day it is a good one especially with the Hamilton like Hamilton setting the scene of where this happened in a theater um, because we all know how hard it was to get Hamilton tickets even as they toured the country um, you know a few years ago so my first thought is you're walking in and you see your client and it's not like I we all have clients who we've I shouldn't say we all I have clients who I've worked with for several years. And I think if I saw one of them sitting in the row that I'm sitting in, I would have a different reaction. But you specifically said this was a newer preteen client. Can you speak to your relationship with her in the therapy room and how that may have influenced your reaction in the theater? Absolutely. And I think it played a big part because like you said, if that happened to me now where I have longer term clients and I feel our relationship is just different, I think I would totally experience the whole situation different. But this client, um, I may have seen them maybe three or four times, so not too long. And we were really building rapport because she had a lot of anxiety. She was around 12, Um, And she was coming to see me for anxiety. So it was definitely that slower rapport build where we had really been working on that relationship and talking about her anxiety. And so that added a whole nother layer of panic for me, like processing, you know, what is she feeling? What is she thinking? I immediately just took on her emotions and started processing how is this going to affect her more than I was even thinking about myself. Oh my gosh, I can imagine. Like, it's so funny too. I'm thinking of myself working with clients, especially in the rapport building. I feel like I'm usually like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? What's going on? So I'm, it's almost funny that it did not come up of like, oh my God, I'm going to see Hamilton. So there was no precursor to it to be like, oh, I'm also going to Hamilton this weekend. Um, But I can imagine that fear of like, 
is she anxious right now? Mm -hmm. Like, again, for a show that's really hard to get to see. Yeah, definitely. I can totally see myself having asked that question, too. And so definitely surprising it didn't come up at all in our session. So what did you do, Heather? You're walking into the row. I assume you're like... If I were you, I'd be like counting or doing the ABCs or counting the seats until your number, praying to God that it's right, not next to your client who's already sitting down. Like, what did you do when you realized, oh, here I am. I'm going to sit right next to you. We're sharing an armrest. Yes. So my mind was definitely racing, walking through the possibilities. I feel like I kept hearing this narrative of, Therapists don't say hi first. Therapists don't initiate contact, right? Wait for the client to to say something. Um, but the client was already seated with her mother, like I said, who I also knew, of course. And I was standing coming into the situation. And so I really just debated very quickly. I can't say there was a lot of time to think about it, um, but debated how I should appro- approach it. And I decided to say hi, to smile. Um, to acknowledge that we knew each other in uh, in a way that I hoped wouldn't draw a lot of attention um, to anyone else who might be around because she was with her mom, but I wasn't sure maybe there were other people there that they were there with as well. So I said, hi, I, um, I think I might have made one little small talk about are you excited like to see Hamilton? Um, and then I, I just kind of shifted my focus after that. I feel like though, and I think Catherine, we kind of had, when we were reading this, we were talking like a little bit about it. Like, I feel like I would have done that to anybody I was sitting next to in a theater. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's not like you were like, Hey, like name or something like that. Like showing, you know, somebody it's just like, Oh, hey, are you excited? Right. Exactly. Cause I would have probably said hi to anyone I sat next to cause you're very close in theater seats. So I feel Mm -hmm. like I probably would have done the same thing. And I like how, you know, we have these ethical guidance and, you know, what we learned in graduate school and what we talk about in consultation groups. And that is, you know, the predominant message and the consistent message is we do not acknowledge our clients first because it does give away identities. And I think you this situation really highlights the answer that most therapic therapists give to most questions, and that is, it depends, right, if we should say hi or not to our, our clients first. In this situation, you really gave it thought. You, you know, went through, you know, the possibilities and, you know, responded in a way that you felt was best for the client. And that didn't necessarily mean ignoring them until they acknowledged you because you knew about her presenting concern of anxiety and what it was like. And you're in the situation of this isn't a walking through the halls or walking past each other in the lobby type of situation. This is literally sitting next to. And I I just, I love that you're bringing the story about how we as therapists really do need to consider all the pieces of information for a specific situation when we decide what is in our client's best interest. So can you speak, Heather, a little bit more about why you decided to say hi first and how you thought it would benefit the client in that aspect or why that choice was benefit more uh, attractive to your working relationship with her than waiting for her to acknowledge you? Yeah, and you you definitely touched on it, right? Thinking about um, just the pros and cons in that situation, and it's so different than walking past your client or seeing them in a large space. It's so intimate and so 
um, requires you to make a decision, right? Almost within that first second that you sit down. And so I definitely considered, well, what would it be like if I didn't say anything, right? Like how awful and awkward it could be for the whole duration of such an enjoyable experience that we were looking forward to if I had one, not said anything and waited for her, right? Would she have anxiety about that? Would she wonder, um, you know, feel nervous? Or two, if I had made a bigger deal about it and made it awkward, um, would that have made us just both not been able to enjoy that experience? So I really thought, like you said, Allie, you know, I would say this to someone who is sitting next to me, right? It's not... um not that big of a deal to to make small talk with someone you're sitting next to. So I really tried to focus on, okay, what is the the normal social reaction and how can we help help with the social anxiety and help her to know that, hey, you can see someone in public, you can say hi, you can make small talk, and it doesn't have to be awkward, right? And it can be almost a reparative teaching experience where we're having that interaction in a social setting and, you know, it's going well. Hopefully she felt that it went well as well. Yeah, I love that. I feel like that's such a great point too. Now, I'm curious, you had mentioned earlier that you and your boyfriend, now husband, had stopped at the bar. Did that cross your mind at all? Because it sounds like you had an adult beverage in your hand at the time. Oh my gosh, yes, it crossed my mind, right? I had a, a glass of wine and was, you know, looking forward to sitting down with it. And I immediately thought, you know, oh my gosh, what is she going to think? What is, is her mother going to think, right? All these shame spiral thoughts coming down on me. Um, but I tried to really just process that within myself and talk myself down, you know, it's normal, it's okay, it's appropriate. Um, it doesn't say anything about you as a person or a therapist. Mm -hmm. But of course, there's that immediate awkward reaction, right? We try to draw this boundary and this wall between our clients where they think we're professional, we're always, um, you know, doing exactly what we should be doing and we're not real humans and then boom you know i'm a real human on a date drinking a glass of wine and i'm confronted with it and your partner your boyfriend at the time is sitting next to you you're having this entire internal experience with your your date your boyfriend sitting next to you did he have any idea of what is going on? How did you handle the date portion of this Hamilton experience? Yeah, another great question, because that was going through my mind, too, and that I can't turn to my boyfriend and explain to him what's going on, right? I can't tell him what I'm dealing with. And so I, I kept it to myself. And I honestly don't think he really even noticed or knew. Um, I, I, I know that I immediately after the show said, um, said something about my experience and um, not that that was, you know, my client or anything like that, but I knew that person. Right. And so, yeah, that was definitely going through my mind. Like, I don't want them to think I'm turning to him and saying, oh, this mm -hmm. is my client, right? Like, I want to protect them and make them feel safe and confident mm -hmm. in this moment, too. Um, so like you said, so much internally and then externally just trying to remain calm and 
enjoy the show. I feel like that's such a great example of how as therapists, we have to have that like therapy poker face. And you were clearly doing a great job at it because it happens so much in the therapy room. But clearly this happens outside of the therapy room too, where we're using that skill. And it's like, again, like, I feel like um, we've talked about like the meme before where it's like Ariana Grande, like doing all the math in her head and it's like happening so quickly. <laughs> like, I feel like that happens to us all the time. Like, I feel like it can't be said enough, like how much we have to be weighing so many variables in such a short amount of time while still looking composed and still like paying attention to our surroundings. It's so complicated. Another reason why I aspire to be Ariana Grande. That's all I have yeah. to say. <laughs> Let's pause here for a quick ad break. Well, this feels like a great place to pause and talk about our sponsor, Jane. Wait, Catherine, who is Jane? Oh yeah, I haven't talked about this yet, but I am diving back into the world of private practice and I have a pretty awesome team behind me. And I asked one of them to find the best EHR for the price. And I couldn't believe it, but they actually came back with an answer. All of these EHRs can feel overwhelming, but one stood out from the rest. It had the most comprehensive features and it was less expensive than its competitors who've been raising their rates. Wait, so Jane is not a person? No, Jane is a practice management software designed to help health and wellness practitioners manage their practices with features like online booking, admin scheduling, customizable notes, and integrated payments. Mm, So it sounds like Jane makes it super easy for you to manage your practice from any angle. Now I have to ask, do they offer telehealth and what if I need to meet with couples or families? Oh yes, Jane does all of that. This means you can offer flexible sessions that suit your schedule and the needs of your clients. Wow, well, listeners, it sounds like you should join me to learn more about Jane and their full suite of features as I desperately need to change my EHR platform. Head on over to jane.app slash mental health. If you're ready to get started with Jane, you can use the code BADTHERAPIST for a one-month grace period on your new account. Well... Let's loop back to the show. So you made it through the show, it sounds like. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed it. Now, what happened afterwards with this client? Did it come back into the therapy room later? Yeah, so I had to debate, do I bring it up in our next session? Um, So I definitely thought through it and went back and forth and took the same approach that I had taken with saying hi. I thought, will it be beneficial to bring it up? What are the risks of not bringing it up? And decided, yes, like let's let's acknowledge this situation that happened um, and let's create a space for her to process it if she needs to process it. Um, and also, can we use it as a bonding experience, right? As a rapport building experience that one, we both are interested, right? In Hamilton, the musical, how can we connect over that? And two, we both um, shared this maybe experience that felt a little bit awkward for both of us. And how can we use that in the therapy room? And so I did acknowledge it at the beginning of our session, just saying, you know, so what did you think? Did you enjoy Hamilton? Um, Having that small talk and that went well. Um, And then creating that space for her to to share any other feelings she had about the situation. 
Um, and she didn't disclose any, any anxiety or anything that she was processing during the experience. And I don't think that means there wasn't any, but I think, I think she, um, she didn't have anything that she wanted to share with me about her feelings of our interaction. And so I think we were able to, to use that experience, talk about it briefly in the therapy room and then, and then move towards the work that we were doing. I love how you took what could have been, um, what could have really been a rupture had it been handled differently and you used it as uh, it sounds like you tried to use it more of a springboard um, for clinical work. You, you had intention of it being more of a springboard than maybe it was, but you you tried to use it and it did direct um, or, or point your work, your work with your client in the next direction. Like you used it therapeutically um, to the best of your abilities of what you could and, and you didn't let one, it become a rupture or two, the potential clinical content go to waste. Yeah, absolutely. It's just our our lives are are what we bring to the therapy room. So it's kind of just like a full circle moment. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say too, this is reminding me so much of Jenna's episode, Sip Happens. And she ironically is also in Ohio, Heather, where she ran into a client at a festival, had a glass of wine in her hand, slightly different than like sitting directly next to um, a client. But it, I just keep thinking of that story and how it really does come up for us in such unexpected ways when we bump into clients and how every experience is so different. Um, it's I feel like we'll continue to have these stories on the podcast because we all handle them or they could be handled in so many ways and seeing how they play out in different situations, how our clients um, handle them too. Because I think about all the clients I work with, granted, I work with mostly college students right now. I can confidently say probably like 98% of my clients would be like, oh my therapist like (laughs) super excited and things like that so I feel like I prepare myself mentally for seeing clients differently but really it can come up for any of us in Mm -hmm. so many unexpected ways Mm -hmm. and Allie even if they are oh my gosh my therapist that puts us in a totally different situation to navigate yeah which so either like seeing any clients out in public it's it's you know even if it's not as awkward of an interaction it does Mm -hmm. that Ariana Grande math is still going on in our head oh Absolutely. It's always happening. <laughs> it actually Absolutely. Is. So Heather, we usually ask each of our guests um, to give advice to another therapist who might be in a similar situation, but I'm actually going to frame this a little differently for you um, because I know that if I were uh, if I were a ticket holder for Hamilton and I had been looking forward to the show and I had a glass of wine in my hand, I was on a date with my boyfriend who I maybe wanted to become my husband, like I'd be really looking forward to this evening. And then I sit next to my preaching client. Um, I would love advice from you for other therapists on how to enjoy an event or a situation while managing uh, having a client around them, next to them, with them. Um, How did you do it? What was your experience like? Did you enjoy the show? And what advice would you give? I did enjoy the show, right? I think I was able to, I don't want to say compartmentalize, but almost compartmentalize and not let myself ruminate on that situation. Really telling myself, it's okay. 
you can process it later, right? Or you can think about it when you leave the show. Um, and reminding myself to be present in the moment, right? What would I tell my client who was experiencing this situation right next to me? I would tell them to to be present, to enjoy the moment, to not let that anxious voice talk them out of it, um, take some deep breaths, right? And so I tried to take that advice for myself and really think about how would I want my client to handle this situation? What skills would I tell them to use? And hey, let me be that example, right? Let me use those for myself and not overthink it, right? Because I think grad school and training and all of these ethical things we think about can really lend to that overthinking. Um, but I tried to lean more human and, and not overthink a, a small social interaction. I love that. That is such good advice. And I'm so happy to hear that you were able to enjoy Hamilton yeah. because, again, that's such a great experience to have. <laughs> um, but I think, and Catherine, I really like how you reframe that question because that is a part that I think is so important is we still have to enjoy our lives, right? Yeah. Like, how, So focusing on that piece, I think, is so important. So I'm glad we took that reframe on that question this time. And I'm very impressed, Heather, that you were able to enjoy it. I'm putting myself in your shoes. I don't know how easy it would have been to pull myself out of my head. So I'm really glad you enjoyed it. And I'm really glad it wasn't me in your seat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So Heather, if anyone does want to connect with you outside of the podcast, where can they find you? I am on Instagram at Eating Disorder Therapy Ohio. My website is EatingDisorderTherapyOhio.com. And my email is heather at eatingdisordertherapyohio.com. So Love you can it. reach me there. Beautiful <laughs> branding. Love it. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much, Heather, for sharing this story. It was such a pleasure having you. And thank you again. Thank you, guys. It was so fun. I look forward to listening, continuing to listen to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks. And that's it. OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song, along with many others, on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast or wanting to level up the one you already have, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists.